you guys really rose to the challenge to bring me questions. Um, we're not going to have time for all these, so that's kind of sad. I'm going to try to think of ones that are going to be, um, that are going to be helpful. Uh, but I think a panel will be more helpful, and, and, and for, for a second time, there's some that I may, I may leave out, and that's something you can maybe talk to your campus pastor, campus leader, about. Um, is it a kind of a requirement for a young male pastor to have a beard? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's so Yes. But also, yes. Have you ever had a really bad while you were preaching? If so, what do you do? Somebody breathe out there! serious question. <laughs> so I, I tried with the panel to pick uh, people that hadn't been, with the, I guess the exception of Corey, people that hadn't been talking like all weekend long, like the guys that led the, uh, the smaller groups and, and talked like a hundred times. Um, and so we got a good mix here of people that have been doing Kalpha a long time and, and not a whole long time. Um, and a uh, good mix of guys and ladies. Um, we don't have a good mix of uh, ethnicities represented, so I'm going to need, I'm going to need some African American students. Come on, some of you uh, Hispanic students. Come in. She's the only one. Yeah. Think about, think about, think about maybe yeah, give it a year, give it a year back to Cal after you graduate. Starting through, pray about God. Would you, would you be maybe calling me uh, through to university students? Uh, Is there one thing here today? So I really want to make sure you, you're praying about uh, this guy's calling you to ministry. She's <laughs> <laughs> pretty Christina. Latina, she's actually not. She just got that got that complexion and she's got that speaking the Spanish. <laughs> this is, this is uh, Thomas, Corey, Anna, and the lovely yeah. What was the hardest or scariest part for you about being a student leader? How would you overcome it? I guess for me, um, the hardest part when I started leading as a student leader was um, the initial kind of building process of my small group. Um, I kind of started from scratch and really didn't have anyone who's specific. So I guess that was the scariest and, and most challenging and most difficult. But I guess the how I overcame that was um, uh, we're taught we constantly teach our students that it's not about them; it's about Jesus. So I guess as I started trying to make sure that was pounded in my head over and over again, um, he started building their core, and a lot of the people that in my first. Um, core that I led or small group that I led were people who I didn't have super meaningful, you know, interaction with them beforehand. So that obviously it wasn't people that I just kind of brought myself. So Jesus kind of brought those to me. So. Well, lady, I think for me um, the scariest thing was just that like, like I failed. Like I would start my life group and no one would come. Or I would plan like um, an event or like like do some evangelism on campus and like no one would care. Um, and and so I really worried about that, you know, and prayed. And I think it was really growing though. The process was really cool because um, the Lord used it to show me that my identity isn't in how many people come to my life group. My identity isn't in whether or not I can pull off. At events, you know, um, like Chuck and Lori were great. They're always like so, <coughs> so proud of me. You know, like even the days that I'm like, ah, I blew that. Like they're encouraging and they're for me. And kind of learned that it's not about like this formulaic, like you do these five things and you're the, the good leader. So I really like like legalistic things where it's like do X, Y, Z and achieve this. Um, leadership's not like that in the kingdom. But I think it was, it's really, or it was really growing last year. But 
Um, it's taught me to rely on God, you know, and like anything we do for his kingdom, anytime we share the word, um, like it says in Isaiah 55, um, his word never returns to void. It always accomplishes a purpose for which he sent it. So whether or not I get to see the fruit of that, um, God's working. And so. So Thomas? I mean, the first year that I led a small group, uh, I... I spent almost zero time with the guys in my small group. I spent almost zero time with them outside of the group for my small group or outside of Chi Alpha. Um, and at the end of that school year, I really regretted not investing all my time into those guys. And in uh, the next year, I was like, or over that summer, I was, I was just like, all right, I'm, I'm not going to have the same regret again. And But went into the next year just feeling like it's not going to be any fun. I'm just going to just going to be a bunch of work, and I'm not going to enjoy it. I'm going to have to spend time with people who I don't really want to spend time with, and it's just going to drain me. And, uh, and it didn't take, take long, but like a few weeks into that first semester, I really did just pour myself into it. And I spent, I just tried to just invest in those guys as much as I could. And it ended up being the most fun year of my entire college career. Um, and the thing was, like, I wasn't just, I didn't have a bunch of guys in my small group who were just like me. There were people from all different types of walks of life. And it was, uh, it was so much fun because God was just bringing life to these people. And we were doing it together. And I was just seeing that uh, as different as we were culturally or just, just interests, uh, as we were, as God was changing our lives, it was just, it was just gnarly and it. It was better than anything I ever could have imagined it to be. And so, just a uh, long expectation that it was going to be boring or not any fun was uh, was hard for me to overcome that first year. That was probably the biggest time. Good. So we talk about um, in the class in the Salvation by Design and Crux uh, class, we talk about your transparency, the transparency that you model. It's easier for people in the group that you share. They're only going to be willing to go as deep as you go, or willing to be as vulnerable as you're willing to be. So this question, uh, kind of along those lines, do you guys remember uh, particular leaders' transparency, a particular maybe story or moment of vulnerability that allowed you to finally open up and be vulnerable? <coughs> Can you guys think of a story like that? Or a group leader or a pastor that was like that for you guys that, that helped you open up? Yeah, um, after I came to Christ, I was really fortunate to get involved in uh, a youth group. So it was kind of modeled for me, like, right off the bat as I started living for Christ. Um, but my youth pastor and his wife are just, like, they're an open book. They're still an open book. You know, like, we spent uh, the weekend with them a few weekends ago, and, like, they just say what they think. They're completely upfront about their struggles, you know, and um, I think that's in my mind. To see an adult, you know, like a grown-up with kids, just being, like, talking about, man, I, I've been struggling to read the Bible this week. Pray for me. And, like, that was the leader. But I think, um, you know, it would start on that level, and they would just share, like, real stuff in their life. And it, it just set a really good precedent of being open and just a freedom to be open. My sophomore year, I was in a discipleship group. With this girl named Andrea, and she she had just gotten married, and so she didn't talk about everything that was going on in her life. But she told me years later, and when she had a different perspective, and I just remember her her sitting with us and like talking about the abuse that she had encountered, and just how she was forgiving her dad, and she was praying for him, and. Just doing hard things and just bringing us along with her in it. And so I've gotten to tell that story so many times for people who don't know how to forgive their dad. Like, she was at the lowest of the low. And, like, through all of that, her dad accepted Christ. But I just watched her talk about her insecurities and how she didn't like talking in front of people. And she didn't like, she wouldn't choose to do the things that she was doing, but she did it because she loved the Lord. Just how, how she openly lived her life. And she just lived in boldness and everything that she did. And she wasn't perfect, but I don't know. 
but I'm still challenged, even though that was six years ago. For me, I entered into a small group um, uh, as a super lost person, and I, I, I spent a, a little bit more than 10 days where the guy that was leading my small group at the beginning, and um, I was open to showing up and, and hanging out at the small group, but for whatever reason, I was entering with the mindset that I had to to be somebody that I wasn't, that I couldn't couldn't be real or couldn't be open walking into that, that I had to somehow transform or fit into their mold. But then as we kind of worked through that first one, it was a, we were talking about kind of weird, it was like an openness talk. And he just modeled um, really well what it meant to just be open and be vulnerable to people. Um, and I saw through that, that, okay, well, my life is really jacked up. And you know, I, I expected the, I was like, man, this guy's a Holy Spirit level number like 100 and I, I can't possibly be there. But just in being open was, um, I was just like, okay, well, he has broken this stuff too, so I can be here and be broken as well. So that, I would, that that's kind of how that pushed me. So it, it allowed me to be like, okay, well, I can exist here and be and be real, be who I am. It's okay. You got something here? Um, a couple of years ago, I had a buddy that uh, he came in, came into the house, and uh, there were a bunch of people in it hanging out. And he's like, "Dude, I want to share something with you." I I went to go put this on my heart to share with some other guys I've been doing. Like, it's just been, been super awesome. And uh, so we went outside. <coughs> we walked in and started telling me about how when he was, when he was like 9 or 10 years old, uh, he was molested by one of his uncles. And, uh, and how through the years, um, he was, uh, he, through high school, uh, just uh, began to live like a homosexual lifestyle. Uh, just sh- started sharing with me different things that, uh, understandably, would be embarrassing things to share with somebody. And uh, like the way he was telling me, like you could tell that he was just free from it. He was, he didn't have any shame or embarrassment. And uh, and he was just telling me, he was like, man, I I realized how much like the enemy was just. Uh, Entangling me with with this shame that I had, and the the only way for me to get free from it was to just open up about it. And I remember him telling me, uh, like in the moment as he's telling me this stuff, like there was no, there was not one thought in my head of, you know, this guy's gross or stupid freak, like what, like not hanging out with this guy anymore, like nothing like that, Any, anywhere along those lines. All of it was just like, man, like, this sucks that this dude went through this. But at the same time, I'm like, this guy has a very noticeable amount of freedom. Like, I want that exact same thing. Um, and just totally helped me feel open to sharing stuff that I had a lot of shame, shame from my past. And uh, I've seen just in our new groups this semester an incredible amount of openness just in the students' hearts. Uh, as I try to model the exact same thing, but my friend did for me. It's good. It's good. So I had a lot of questions that were uh, about prayer, about communicating with God, about hearing from God, hearing God's will. But I'm going to kind of boil it down. Uh, several of those kids down with it with this question uh, about man, hearing God's voice, hearing God's will. How do you discern the voice of the Holy Spirit from just your own thoughts? He has an honest answer, but there's more to it. I think for me, a lot of times, the Holy Spirit, um, I guess the first ways I learned he was speaking to me actually is. Um, I share this with some of my life with girls, but it was wanting God to speak to me. I was like, I'd never like heard God speak to me in any way. Like, God speak to me, God speak to me. Spent a lot of time crying out to God to speak to me. And the way I knew He finally did is because the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me to do something that I would never do on my own. And so I was like, 
did I make that up? Like, I wouldn't make that up. And it was just really clear. Um, and I had just gone through like a really um, hard time in my family. Um, one with one of my parents and uh, with my mom. Okay, and, and the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go tell your mom you love her. And it was kind of one of those things like I decided to walk in obedience because I wanted to hear God speak more. And there was something so terrifying about hearing him speak and tell him do tell me to do something I didn't necessarily feel comfortable doing at that time. Um, but then if I felt I felt like if I didn't respond to that, that I would kind of like quench that thing that I just started to walk in. Um, so I prayed about it and he was able to help me do it. Um, and like He's worked out so much healing in that relationship. So I'm glad I did. But a lot of times it's like something drops my spirit. And I know it's it's not me. You know, and I know it's not um like spicy food or I eat something funny. You know, like like I know it's it's the Lord because it's just something that I wouldn't come up with on my own. And so I'd usually um I'm not saying like hesitate, but I usually take a second to to be like like confirm like that's you. Um, but but then if I feel like it is I, like I want to respond to that because um, I feel like the more you respond the more you get used to hearing his voice and the more you kind of like open yourself to hear him if you, if you don't respond or you kind of like ignore it then like it gets harder to hear him for a while I was going to say something like uh, just in, in the times where, you, where I felt like the Holy Spirit was talking to me but wasn't totally sure if it was him or if it was just my own thoughts. Uh, uh, there were times where I just had to act on it and just test it. And then usually after I would act on uh, whatever I heard, usually I would find out that, okay, that definitely was the Holy Spirit. If I, there was one time I was in class uh, and I, it, was a, it, was an in, it was an interesting time that I felt like uh, it was, it was weird. I, I just I remember I turned and I looked to the back corner of the class and I got my eyes just locked on this girl that was sitting in the very back corner. And uh, and uh, the word sickness just it was just like she's sick. This was in my head. And uh, and I waited until class was over. I saw her in the hallway and I was like, Hey, I, this I was like I just felt like uh, uh, the Lord just gave me something to share with you. Might sound kind of inter- or weird or interesting to you, but I felt like he said that you have some kind of sickness or something, and she just started to fall, mm-hmm. weak. And I'm like, well, I think this is a good call. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, and then she just began to share with me like how uh, she had had just a ton of fear about following God, and what I realized later was like it was a spiritual sickness that she had that was keeping her from following God, and uh, and just by me, like, stepping out and test, testing it, uh, it helped me for the next time the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I was like, okay, I've heard that voice before. It's good. Yeah, uh, sure, go ahead. Y'all <laughs> um, One of the things that I think about when I'm kind of struggling with that issue is, you know, what is it specifically that, I, that I'm thinking about doing? What is it that I'm considering? Um, you know, is, is, is it an area that I know if I measure it against the Bible, that I know God's not going to tell me to do that? Um, you know, if it's an issue of sin, God's not going to tell me to sin. Um, he's not going to tell me to do something that isn't true or of a good report, that isn't pure. He's not going to instruct me to do something like that. Um, but if what I'm considering is, is like you said, Thomas, I feel like God wants me to go pray for that person. You know, what harm are you going to do to just do it anyway? If it's not God and it's not the Holy Spirit, they might tell you no. But I would rather risk being wrong than risk being disobedient to something that the Holy Spirit might be telling me to do. And if you just kind of follow through with that instinct, you know, I think once you get there, you'll know whether or not it's you or whether or not it's the Holy Spirit. But to me, the the greater grievance is is to risk being disobedient to the Holy Spirit than to risk being wrong. And, you know, at the end of the day, I offer to pray for somebody. (laughs) So what? (laughs) 
I'm not going to burn and go to hell because I went and asked somebody if I could pray for them. Or I really wanted to do a prayer and something else. So, you know, that's kind of how I. Amen. Uh, three. If, if I sense that God is telling me something, third time, if God says it once, I'm like, okay. He, God is patient, He'll tell you again. When God tells you three times, hello, then you know. You need to do it. Yeah, just, just jump and do it. And so, Lord said something very important. God's not going to speak to you anything that contradicts the scripture. Uh, the primary way He wants to speak to you is through the scriptures. Because if you don't read them, if you don't know the Bible, you're not going to know, right? So, you got to be, be in the Word to know the Holy Spirit's. You know, or is that just my own, my own thoughts? There's no, there's no getting around. Like we're people of the book. You know, that's one of the names of, of Christians historically. Um, you've got to be in, in that Bible. That's, there's no, there's no other way around it. Um, that's the primary way God will speak to you. And you certainly won't know if it's a random thought of the Holy Spirit. You know, based on if you're not sure, um, if you've not been in Scripture. Um, another thing, I mean, so I remember Chuck used to tell us is, is. Uh, you know, if you're like saying, uh, you know, I want you to go share Jesus with someone, it's not your own thoughts, and it's not the devil telling you to go share the gospel with somebody, right? It's, it's not, it's not your, your own thoughts aren't going to want to go, yeah, pray, pray for someone that, that's sick. You know, it's not the devil, you know, telling you to go, go, go share the gospel with your, uh, your lost family member. No, okay? So sometimes that's just an easy, yeah, okay. Moving on. Um, so... On the issue of boundaries, about having healthy boundaries, how much is too much of yourself to give? How do you guys, uh, how do you guys figure out where those boundaries are? I think thinking back to when you were student leaders, your boundaries are different, I guess, now as adults and staff, but uh, they gave the example of answering calls, like at 4 a.m., that kind of stuff. Um, how do you guys decide uh, those kind of boundaries? I think it depends person by person. Like, if I have a girl calling me every night, well, I can. probably going to have to talk about it, <laughs> you know, if, if she's not actually dealing with stuff, because we don't want people to come to us, we want people to go to God first, and so I think, first of all, a lot of that can possibly be alleviated by your one-on-ones and your small groups and just your interactions with each other, always be pointing things back to the Word, and always be praying, um, we definitely have the opportunity to give wisdom and share our thoughts. Um, so those are secondary to what the Lord wants to speak to them. And, I mean, but like what Thomas was saying yesterday, I think it was here. Uh, like we, we want to spend ourselves, um, give everything that we have to people because God is entrusting them to us. And they're, they're precious to him. They're not just random people. And so, yeah, I think I think you'll have to figure out what that looks like for yourself, um, depending on what your tendencies are. But just in general, just be willing at least to give everything, whether that looks like your money or your time or. Um, Letting somebody live with you, whatever. <coughs> so for me, um, I would say that having a healthy understanding of, of my priorities played a huge role and um, not like where my boundaries were, but just being able to maintain kind of boundaries. So like the first semester that I led, and maybe even the first year that I led, uh, uh, a life group. I just did everything with everyone all the time and would, would answer everything and my schoolwork was all over the place and I, I, I've always been able to do school, you know, and do it well without a whole lot of like extra extra like input but like uh, I guess that when all that was everywhere it's really hard to, to balance everything so as I started putting like priorities and understanding where priorities were, I was able to have boundaries like, man, <coughs> kind of like you were saying, this guy's calling every night at 1 a.m. and it, some of the stuff could just be handled the next day or one-on-one. <coughs> but I'm also not saying that there's going to be times when 
there's somebody that's calling at 11 a.m. that needs to talk at 11 a.m. Um, so I guess just figuring out, you know, where, like she was saying, where things that are <coughs> happening on a, on a constant basis that are, are conflicting with messing up other kind of priorities things. So that was, that's still something that's hard for me. That's um, still hard to, like, figure out that doesn't, I guess, doesn't all just go away once you kind of get it all figured out. You still kind of have to work through, like, man, where... You know, where's my boundaries now? Where's my boundaries between Kyle and, and pouring in and investing with my wife? So, like, setting yourself up well now and learning how to, to put boundaries in place and learning how to make them healthy, I think, transitions you into, into future stuff really well. You're teaching someone to lean on Jesus, not, not lean on you. You're not yeah. trying to create codependency. Can I say something on that? Guys, we have to to be careful, okay? Um, To be honest, we live in a culture that glorifies lack of sleep, okay? You're the hero if you only need three hours of sleep. The more you work, the cooler. I mean, we laugh, but that's true. Think about conversations like the brave, courageous people are the ones that only need three hours of sleep, and then they can still do all these things all day long. But the truth is, to the Lord, busyness does not mean fruitfulness. Busyness does not mean you're being obedient. Okay? So, like Anna's saying, what may be okay for someone at 1 a.m. may not be okay for another at 1 a.m. But whether you have the ability to meet with someone at 1 a.m. and point them back to Christ, or whether you meet with them at 10.30 a.m. and you point them back to Christ. You keep the main thing the main thing. It's always Christ. It's always you're there to kind of buffer their ability to be back at his feet so that if they need strength to get in his lap, you can help them. But do not get absorbed in a culture that thinks, hey, I'm serving well if I'm just busy all the time. No. If you're busy all the time but you're only giving the, you know, the little bit that you have, Christ doesn't call us to give a little bit. Christ calls us to give our very best. And sometimes that's going to mean that you know the boundary well enough to say, hey, I appreciate it. I'm really glad that you thought to call me, but this time I'm going to need to say no. No is okay. Um, and be mindful that things do not start to stroke your ego, okay? If it's like, whoa, it's one in the morning and they need me, of course I'm going. You need to check yourself, okay? Um, so don't get sucked into that culture that glorifies, hey, you know, you serve because you're always busy. Sometimes you're just busy, and you need to sit down and close your eyes and close your mouth and go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you, if, you, uh, if you flunk your classes, you're not going to be leaving a core next semester. You know, if you, if you have to drop out of school because you neglected your studies and you've not, not been sleeping well, rest won't take care of yourself, you're not going to be, be able to, that's not sustainable. You're not going to continue in leadership. You may not continue in the faith. You may get so burned out and, and nobody wants that for you. Um, yeah, so, you, so it's going to differ for a person, like, um, like, like Anna said. And then, and you've, got, you've got different rest and Sabbath needs you know, than, 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 than someone else. But um, yeah, those boundaries are important. I would have some kind of boundaries in place and not just be like, I'll just feel it out and see what happens. Transitioning. Um, what should I do when I feel like I'm not strong enough to help my friend, the person I'm uh, discipling, uh, investing in, that they've got an issue, I'm not strong enough, maybe specifically a friend who's battling depression. Um, what can I do to help that friend that's battling depression? And, um, why don't we get to stuff that uh, it's not in my league, I can't handle it. There's nothing wrong with asking somebody else to step in, go talk to your campus pastor, uh, or you have another friend who you know has had a similar struggle in the past with them to be part. Uh, I think sometimes we don't need to have an answer for someone, we just need to be with people. Mm-hmm. I think that, that, that just being with someone can speak louder than any words that we say. Yeah, I think. Um... Like, a lot of times I've had leaders say, like, I'm not strong enough, and it's not an issue like depression or something big. And if it's that, you know, like, I encourage you to, like, press in and, and ask the Lord, like, hey, how do you handle this situation? But you guys, if you're talking to someone and they're facing depression, they're facing suicide, 
Um, there's some of these like really heavy things. Um, like if they're a threat to themselves or others, like then that's when you would probably confidentially go to like your campus pastor staff um, and figure out, you know, I mean, if it's severe, you know, and like suicide, it's huge on college campuses. Depression is huge on college campuses. And there's like professionals in place to do counseling. Um, there's Christian counselors on every single campus. There's like a counseling center. And like your campus pastors have the resources to like help that person get connected if that's necessary. Um, because like I've also seen students decide, like I'm just gonna counsel this person out of the situation. If it's like severe, you know, sometimes you have to say, you've gotta invite somebody else into this relationship, you know, and um, I know, like, so, to, to put this really succinctly, I struggled with the eating disorder when I was in high school, like, severely struggled with it, um, to the point that um, I was very close to death, okay, and then the Lord delivered me from that, and he healed me, but when I was, a, well, we were married, so I guess I was a staff at that point, um, I had a girl that came into my life group who was struggling with eating disorder, but, like, she was holding on to it. You know, and at first I was like, oh, cool. Like, this is a perfect match. Like, I'll minister to her. She'll get set free. Like, I did. That did not happen. So we had a place where I was like, you like, you have to, to get help. And I went with her. And I walked with her. And it wasn't like, you're doing this today. Like, ready, go. You know, it was, it was gentle. And we kind of, like, talked through it. Um, you know, but, but we had to be like, you, you need to like talk to somebody because I can't like I can't fix it you know and I'm not God and if if just me praying for you isn't doing it it's okay to invite somebody else into that it's maybe honing in on the wrong part of the question but I think it's really popular for students today to try to qualify or disqualify themselves from making investments in this life so the part of the question that challenges me, am I strong enough? And I guess if I could just answer that for everybody, the answer is no, no right. you're not. Never. And you're, you're never, never ever going to be strong enough. So if you are discipling either now or in the future because you feel like you've got to a place where you've sufficiently amassed enough of the right answers, or you've had enough positive, meaningful experiences, now I'm ready like, if that's your, your rubric for discipling someone, um, you need to kind of, like, rethink all of that. Your role as a disciple-maker is to meaningfully connect people to Christ. So there's not, like, a qualitative standard for that, whether you're strong enough or not. So if there are, like, serious sort of issues, emotional sort of things that people aren't willing to connect to Christ about, cool, the advice given was fantastic, but... Um, I would just encourage you that Christ throughout the gospel doesn't make any of those qualitative remarks. Peter, you are strong enough. I'll use you. James, you are not strong enough. Um, Andrew, work a little more and then we'll give you this case. We don't hear any of those because your primary role as a disciple maker is to be a bridge between people and Christ. So even if you don't have the answers, in the majority of the time you won't, praying and searching scripture with someone is the most valuable thing that you can do with them. Right. Along with that, please, 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 walk gently with things like, well, maybe it's just a time when you need to stop taking your medicine. Maybe you should just trust God. In no way, shape, form, or fashion ever in your life is that for you to have that place. Okay? Do not do that. God is not going to tell you to tell somebody else to quit taking their medicine that was prescribed to them by a medical professional. So don't do that. And when it comes to the things like the very same statement that stuck out to Jonathan stuck out to me, and then also the word depression. Let me speak really clear to that. I have bad depression. There are seasons in my life when I'm like, okay, cool. I can walk with you through this. But there are also seasons in life when I'm like, I'm willing to walk with you through this, but I'm going to need somebody else to come with us. Because I do not want to go back to where I was. And Thomas is exactly right. Especially when it's things like depression and anxiety. Sometimes 
is not so much what you say, it's just as much it is your presence. Okay? So just be mindful of those things. Alright, the transition. Uh, again, we don't need, I mean, not to have everybody answer, answer these necessarily. These can be quick answers because uh, I already said we're not getting through all the questions. I would like to get through uh, these here that made the chair cut. Um, <laughs> what do you think? When do we get two student leaders that don't get along? A group of student leaders that they are just not getting along. How do you handle that?
you're going to finish college and what's going to happen? You're going to graduate and go. And Do you guys like Chi Alpha? Do you want it to still exist when you're gone? Yeah. Cool. Then we need you to, to be raising up other people. Um, it's kind of one of those ministries that since you're only here for four years usually, um, you don't usually become a leader until sophomore year, right? Um, leaders are kind of always, like we always have people graduating out. We always have new people coming in. Um, and so as staff, we're mindful of that. But as leaders, I think um, Chuck really was good about teaching us to be mindful of that. And just always, like, whatever you do on campus, doing it in a way that you're essentially replacing yourself. You're raising somebody else up that's going to take the reins when you're done. Um, you know, so if you find yourself in a place that you need help or it's overwhelming, man, it's time for that apprentice. And you pray and ask God, like, who could that be? You know? It's good. How do you guys, on the panel, how, when you think back to when you were student leaders, how do you overcome the fear of offending someone with your beliefs? That, that fear, that worry, a lot of that's cultural, that, man, I'm going to really offend someone uh, when I share my beliefs with them. What about you guys? <laughs> well, I try to project. So, so my, my, my core, my small group, or core group, whatever you call it, um, the, my goal at, and at the very beginning, and usually if I have new people step in, I'm going to tell them I want um, that, that to be a place where people feel free and open to express whatever they believe. If they think Jesus is the Easter Bunny, that's fine. They're still welcome, and I still want to hear what their thoughts are. And uh, in doing that, in expressing that, uh, you create a place of openness where people feel like they belong to that group, regardless of where they believe. Um, and I guess I would just, as, as that's been a way I've kind of been mindful of not offending someone, but then that still gives me room to say what I want to say, or say what I feel like the Holy Spirit leads me to say, because that's into the that group they can take that or leave that because they still have the the room for their own opinion to come into that conversation. That's good. Um, yeah. Um, in a different setting, like if you're meeting somebody, somebody brand new, you walk into the student center or wherever you're at, and you see somebody sitting by themselves at the table and you want to go talk to them. I think that uh, I think that we can psych ourselves out and just think like, man, they don't they don't they're gonna think I'm trying to force Jesus on them. Uh, but I think that if you if you really think about it, we we have those conversations all the time where we are trying to uh, sort of convince somebody to do something essentially. Uh, we have experienced Jesus, and we have found that Jesus is better than anything else that this life has to offer. And so that's what we're trying to do, is we're trying to say, hey, I was in your spot once where I didn't know Jesus, and I was living a life that was unfulfilling, and I just and, and I know that even though I don't know you personally, I know that, that Jesus really is what you, you really desire in your life. Um, so in the same way that when we have conversations about iPhones and Androids, Samsung, like, hey, this iPhone's been really good to me, you should get one. That's true. It really is. Everybody's like, no, no, no. Alright, same way. If you got an Android or you got something else, you're like, this is better, you should get one. Um, uh, I think that we can, uh, I think we really can gently and openly share our, our parts of our testimony with people that allow them to see that we're real people that aren't there for an agenda uh, but that we really do care that they, uh, that they are really able to see that they're experiencing Jesus that they're not just helping us check off check our, our to-do list it's really good yeah, people, I mean people aren't going to like hearing if they're going to hell uh, and I would never leave with that um, you know, but yeah, exactly, exactly what, what they were sharing, what Thomas was sharing about, man, to just share the hope that you found in Jesus, leave with that, and what, what you've experienced, what you've tasted and seen to be true, um, and I know when you, when you leave from that kind of place, it's going to be disarming, uh, um, a lot of those, uh, yeah, a lot of those kind of things become, you know, become offensive, um, when you just talk about the goodness of God, the grace of God that you've experienced, the, the, the brokenness that God has healed in your life um, is much better 
much better approach. Transition. So we have uh, on your panel here, um, three, three of our panelists are married. One of our panelists is engaged and soon to be married. Um, I'm sorry, ladies. Uh, Thomas is getting, getting married this summer, a couple months. Um, none of us, none of us have ever met his fiance. But he says, he says she exists. <laughs> so I'm going to ask if you guys in just two or three of the most simple short sentences, what would you like to tell Chi Alpha about dating within Chi Alpha? Two or three short sentences. If you could, if you could tell these students something about, about dating, your heart about what dating should be like within Chi Alpha. <laughs> So we, we often tell our student leaders um, during our, our, one of our retreats not to, this is particularly going in the direction of like what they're doing with their core, but I think that applies to this situation as well. We tell them not to move until they pray, so not to make any big changes or to begin moving towards something until you pray about it and you heard from the Lord. So I, I would say the same thing with dating. Uh, you don't see the, the concept of just dating around through Scripture. Um, and I would, I would just encourage you that, that if you don't hear the Lord, uh, you know, inviting you to begin moving on something, not to move until you've heard Thank think that uh, Jesus really modeled the way that a man should pursue his spouse or his future spouse. He, he calls the church his bride often. And if we look at the way that Jesus pursued his church, we should, as men, should pursue women the same way. Um, this, at least, uh, there, uh, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and, uh, and so I think that, uh, really, if you're, you're thinking about getting into a relationship, you have someone that you're interested in. Uh, are you willing to sacrifice for them? Um, how much of it is, ooh, that, that girl just looks good. Is that your first thought, or is your first thought, hey, that, this person loves Jesus, all right, maybe, maybe something can come from this. Or is your first thought, ooh, that girl looks, looks good, I hope she loves Jesus. That's a big difference. <laughs> What are, you, what are you looking for first? I think um, singleness is a gift. Like, and I get that that might sound hypocritical from the vantage point of a married lady with kids, but it's a gift as far as what you can do with your time, the ministry you can accomplish on your campus. If you're willing to just be like, hey, I just want to pursue God and Stephen and do everything he'll give me to do on the campus, like, God can do so much with that time. Um, that said, if, if you're running that race and all of a sudden you look to the side and you see somebody that loves Jesus more than normal, mm -hmm. you know, then pray about it like Corey said. Um, but like just as far as dating, since the Lord is dating, I always ask the question, like, why dating? Like, why are you going on this date? Like, is it because you feel like you need a person in your life or are you feeling significant because if that's the case you know then you and Jesus have some stuff to work out you don't want to just keep filling that void um or is it like seriously a godly like guy or, or lady that you could you could see a possible future with um as, as you guys pray and grow in Christ um but if it's going to be a distraction or something to fill time or fill a void it's it's probably not the best that, that God has for you I'm on the side of going slow. I've only had one boyfriend. Now I'm married to him. You <laughs> So just watch. If you're interested in somebody, take it a month or a few months. Like watch them. Watch how they interact with people. Watch how they pursue God. Um, and if you do decide to date, you don't always have to be by yourselves. I feel like a lot of people feel entitled. Like, oh, we need to go on this date. We need to have our alone time. There's a place for that. But so much more good can come from dating and community and just being around each other. 
So I've 19 years of campus, I've seen wonderful stories and I've seen crash and burns. And uh, just know that uh, is Jesus in the middle of, of your life decisions and choices. We had a president that all I asked him to do was to wait, to give this some time. And he was so stubborn that he was going to date this girl no matter what. And he stepped down from being our president, and he's not serving the Lord. I have students that really liked each other, but I said, you know, because there was a breakup in, in her, the girl's uh, relationships, and she, I said, would you just wait until after the summer is over? Then you come back, if you guys feel the same, then please go ahead and date. And they did that, and they're wonderfully married today. And they w said, even on their wedding day, that that day, that, that choosing to stay under authority was very special for them and meaningful to uh, their future. But it was like Anna said, take your time. You don't have to jump into something. If it's, if it's God, if it's something that's long-lasting, and why, why be in a relationship if it's not long-lasting? Mm -hmm. Come on. You're worth, you're worth so much more than this, guys. Stop. Stop the little things. The little, you know, that's just ridiculous. You're, you're, you're more mature and you're more valuable. Can I? Can I? <laughs> <laughs> I would say something too. Um, one thing that I've, I've challenged one of the guys that I've been working with. Um, I would start to ask your question. Ask yourself the question: Do you? Can you see yourself um, in a place in your life, and a place with the, your walk with Jesus, where you're ready to be a, a provider and a husband or wife role? Because if not, I would say that you're. You're not in a place where you need to be pursuing a, a serious relationship. And if I wouldn't pursue something that's not a serious relationship. So if you, you can't see that in the near future, I would say that I would encourage you not to begin pursuing that kind of relationship. And so Chuck, Chuck talked about, um, you know, that the way that, that submission to uh, spiritual authority was a big blessing for that couple. And so going off of that, um, Panelists, do you feel like it's good for, for couples that already are dating? You certainly have plenty single here, plenty that are uh, dating. Um, but for, for a couple to have an older couple uh, to kind of mentor them, guide them, the way you have one-on-ones, you know, like a, a cu couple that, that could, could kind of help. help. What, you guys speak to that for a second. Or to home. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think it's it's absolutely phenomenal um, to find another couple. Like, I, I guess like Matt and I had Chuck and Lori. We also had another couple um, at the church we were serving and, like, helping with youth ministry, John and Laura Driver. In Sunday school, every Sunday, there weren't a lot of young adults or, or anything, so it was, like, John and Laura and Matt and Jackie in the Sunday school room. We talked about life. But that stuff was invaluable because, I mean, you could just ask questions and be candid and... Um, I think it's cool to have those couples with invoices. Are y'all meaning like if you're in a serious relationship? Like, you're meaning like be with other couples if you're very serious in that relationship, or you're just dating? Like, if somebody's just well, I feel dating. Like we've already slightly discouraged just dating. Okay. okay. <laughs> for, for the sake of freedom yeah. and stuff. So, are you talking about like marriage counseling? No. Okay. No, just like. Couples you hang out. I mean, look, it's always good to have, like, old people and young people in your life. Like, I like there being some slightly more seasoned people ahead of me in whatever I'm doing that can give me advice. And um, then I need to be pouring into somebody that's less seasoned. Seasoned is the word for old, okay? Um, but, like, in whatever you're doing, it's good to have somebody that's run that race a little, you know? So, like, I, I mean, when Matt and I had John and Laura, it wasn't marriage counseling. It was just we were dating. Um, and like planning on, on getting married someday, but like we weren't engaged or anything, we were just dating. And we hang out with them, but it was like so cool to have like this married lady be like, well, what was it like when you guys dated? And how did you do this? And that I could just ask anything, and she didn't, she didn't judge me or think anything of it. 
Like, I found that invaluable. Yeah, talk to me about a, uh, <coughs> I think I touched on this a little bit last night, but a couple of practical steps a person can take for dealing with physical temptations in a relationship. What's the things that would help with that? Run! <laughs> And the word it talks about, it says flee from sexual impurity. Uh, and lots of times we like to just kind of like try to nudge it away. Like, no, no, just give me a How do we flee? We don't we can, literally just run out the door. <laughs> but I think fleeing is actually, uh, there's, there's, there are steps we can take that keep us from getting to a place where we have to run out the door, you know? <laughs> um, I think that, uh, um, I think being open about your temptations, with, for me, I would, be, I would need to be open with some brothers. Um, and, and and just be like, hey, this is where I'm at. Just be honest where you're at. And and say, hey, this is how I, my flesh feels. This is what my flesh wants. I know this is not what my spirit wants. This is not really what I want to do. Uh, I need some help. Uh, I'm not going to let a fear of, of failure or a fear of, of screwing up cause me to just get out of the relationship. Uh... But I think that we're just open and honest with where we're at, and we don't try to act like we're not tempted, or we don't try to act like we're not uh, uh, having like lustful thoughts or whatever. We are open about it. I think that that can be one of the, the biggest things because the more we hide our, our our thoughts, the more we hide our sin, the more we hide our, our stuff, uh, the more it, we tend to just give in more. Um, so I think just being open with it from the very beginning is going to be one of the most helpful things. Good. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, the goal to keep in mind here when it comes to being in relationships is, is to not say to yourself, how close can I get to the line and not cross it? The goal is, is to say to yourself, how far away can I be from this line because I, I don't even want to <laughs> I don't want to even risk the possibility that I might cross it. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to temptation, if all all bets are off. You do whatever you have to do to stay here, um, and don't try to get as close to that line as you can um, and not cross it. Try to get as far away from that line as you can and predetermine your boundaries. Predetermine before you even begin dating that person what your boundaries are going to be because if you don't do that, you're going to be in trouble. How many guys heard me say that? Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's not too early to have the boundaries discussion. It's your first date? Not too early. These are my physical boundaries. Um, hey, she'll, she'll get weirded out, you know, if I, if I bring it up this early. Who cares? Right? If she's the right girl, if he's the right guy, these are my boundaries. I just, you just got in the car. These are my boundaries. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, where is he? Why are you guys even in the car? car. Let's get down on the sidewalk with you. Why are we? So, so, uh, we have have three and a half minutes left until noon. Uh, So, just these two quick questions left dealing with after college, after I graduate. um, I'll I'll hit this one first. Um, Giving back to Chi Alpha after graduation. you know, talk to us super briefly about, about what that can look like. Uh, full-time, part-time, um, will I have time for a, a job? Um, and I'm going to couple with that this, or if, if I know for sure I've got a particular job or career that I'm to pursue, then what can giving to the ministry of powerful look like? And and not just money. Of course, all you guys, man, you're going to graduate, you're going to get a killer job, doctors, lawyers, you're going to be making the bank. And, and think about financially selling back into the ministry of Calipha. But beyond that, I'm going to go ahead and say that's not what this question is asking. Um, but what are other ways that someone after graduation can give back to Calipha? Maybe they're in a career, um, or, or maybe, or talk to us what it would look like to even give 
give a season maybe in a bigger capacity than that? I would say one of the biggest ways that you can give back is to, to make sure you stay connected with maybe the campus pastor or whatever, and not, not just like he was saying for money, but ask them what their, what their needs are. Um, as far as like prayer and, and whatever, and, and, and really invest time into that. Um, I feel like having a really solid team of people praying for me is by far more beneficial than having a, a solid financial team. And of course, we need finances too, but, but if we don't have people praying for us and fighting for us on the spiritual realm, then we're going to crash. Mm-hmm. I think, um, so what Kyle means when I say give a year is give a year. So like you support raising you full-time for a year. Um, and and so, like, we've known people do that at um, their own campus. Then there's, like, the internship, which is for people that think they might want to go into campus ministry. So those are options. Um, but certainly, like, we've had staff, we have staff um, that, are, that are in the marketplace. So what we consider marketplace staff, which is somebody that's working a regular job, but they want to come serve. They want to give back. Um... If you're wanting to do like the deep nitty gritty, like getting into people's lives and and having that kind of impact, that's really hard to do if you have another job, even part time. Because Matt and I, like we both started as as half um, working part time and on and on staff. And um, I worked at Starbucks. Look, us completely real. I worked at Starbucks in the campus library, and they would put me on the bar, like making the drinks, because all of my girls would just line up on the wall. And like tell me their troubles all day and I'll talk. Like and and I think like trying to have one on one with the cash. At the Starbucks. And so like that didn't work. Um we made it a year like doing that and I was like this doesn't work anymore. Um and I and I felt like that's not fair to the company I'm working for because I'm not fully present, right? It's not fair to, to my girls that I'm discipling, even though we had one on one time, so this was like probably more of a boundaries issue. It's not fair to them because I'm not having an undivided attention conversation with them either. You know, um, and it it was difficult. It's not impossible. Like, God really did some cool stuff in that season um, that we're doing both. Um, You just ask the Lord, like, if if you feel led to do that, um, what it is that he would have you do. Yeah, we don't have the time to, to hear about like all kind of how you guys got. I think I know you guys uh, did, did internships and, and, and different things, and, um, and there, there's a million ways. I mean, if you feel like God's calling you towards that, process that out with your campus pastor. Is this in my campus, or is this maybe going somewhere else? Is this like maybe being called to career missions or ministry? And um, and this could be like a, a learning season. There's there's a hundred different ways, and, and your campus pastor can be really helpful for that. Um, there are questions that, that I want to get to that we're not going to just not for the sake of time going to be able to get to. If your question didn't get answered, um, of the ones that are left, I feel pretty confident you can bring that to your your, your, your pastor, your staff, and kind of talk about that um, and talk it through. Just to just to close us out, this will be closing last question. I have to be super brief because it's noon now. Um, how has your serving on staff with Chi Alpha uh, impacted your relationship with Jesus? What, what you know, talk, talk speak to that real quick. For me, um, so I'm, I'm pretty fresh and new on staff, but I guess transitioning from student to staff, I, I guess I never saw how much um, goes into doing Chi Alpha, and I guess I realized how much you have to lean on the Lord and the, the Holy Spirit and kind of His power and and um, just just completely and always kind of being refilled kind of back up, and if I'm not, I guess entering into a staff role, I was able to see the need to be, to exist in his presence throughout the, throughout my day, throughout the, all of it. Um, or I wasn't going, or, or, or walking in, in this role, was it going to be sustainable? And not that I didn't have time that I spent with him, but I guess it just, I was alerted and aware of like an increased need and dependence on him if I was going to be able to, to do this thing and do it well. Um, so I guess that's, that's kind of something that, that kind of was kind of made, made known to me as I've kind of stepped into this role or kind of changed the way I look at things. 
which was going to be a fight to not use God as a job and um, to actually fight to spend time with him. So I thought I'd just be able to do that all the time and pray people all the time and just talk about Jesus all the time. And there's a lot more that goes into it than just that. And so you have to be mindful and, and I think it's grown my faith um, being on staff in a lot of ways. I mean, over various seasons, um, it's taught me to listen to the Lord and follow what He's telling me to do. Because each season of life, you know, it's it's kind of changed what it looks like on staff. Um, but also being on staff, especially moving from Knoxville to Memphis, made me incredibly thankful. And I think it opened my eyes because we were always staff under Chuck and Lori. Y'all, we moved to Memphis, and I realized the things that, like, Chuck and Lori did that I never knew, like, happened. Like, she said, a lot more goes into it. Um, so it just made me really incredibly thankful for that season. I had to, like, kind of grow and, and learn it, and thankful that there's people um, who are willing to give that, who are willing to give that for, for me. You know, I, I think it, um, it just blew my mind. Like, the first year we were in Memphis, I was like... I just want to go back to Knoxville and work for somebody else. Like, like being, being directors was like a whole like level of not what I, I, I didn't even know. Um, but yeah. Being a staff, going from student staff role, uh, I think one of the biggest things that, that shifted inside of me was I remember right before I was moving to Tennessee, uh, finishing my last last semester, I was in a worship service at Path where I came from, and was just overwhelmed with this sense of I don't want to leave. I want to stay right here. This is comfortable. I have my people. This is fun. I this I grow here. Like this is where I this is where I was saved. Like this is where I'm at. This is what I love. And then like, the exact same time, my next thought was. Like, but I can't stay. Like, I have to go. There are there are so many others uh, are in different places that, that don't know this love, that don't know this family, that don't know Jesus in this way. And I, I can't stay. I have to go. And uh, just helping me to see more and more, like, this life is not about me. Uh, it's all about Jesus. It's all about what, what he has for us. Cool. That's it. Hopefully this... Uh Panel time has been helpful, encouraging to you guys.